Friends, welcome to this episode of Leadosophy. You are here with an open mind because that is the rule and not the exception. Today's episode, I'm going to briefly talk about servant leadership or the I work for them mindset, I like to call it, more more simple terms. And I'm going to juxtapose that, I like the word juxtapose, that with power first. The leaders who are maybe power hungry, maybe prefer to lead with power and control for various reasons. We're going to cover probably that a little more than servant leadership. Servant leadership is thrown around a lot these days as a leadership theory. So I like to go to the other side. Let's go to the dark side and power and control and talk about that briefly. I hope you enjoy this episode. Here we go. Are you ready to permanently fuse leadership and philosophy? Then a word of caution, you are about to enter the fully abstract yet wholly concrete realm of leadosophy. Our ideas are not always so clear and distinct. To validate this proposition, we welcome the host of Leadosophy, Tim Wood. Friends, welcome back to Leadosophy. A little something about me. I I love reading about the idea of power. I find it fascinating. I find it fascinating how people wield power from a psychological standpoint, how they try to influence people to do things, how they try to better their position, better their status using power, how they how they seek power sometimes obsessively. And I find that very fascinating. I've read a lot. There's a lot of philosophers who write about power from a philosophical standpoint, both from you know, from the political side, you know, being kings and monarchs and things like that and how they use power and to politicians and to people in the workplace. So I was listening to a, I wasn't listening in on my wife's conversation, but she was having an open converse, work conversation in the kitchen the other day. And she said something that struck me. She said in the course of this conversation that I work for them. And she was talking about how she views her role as a leader and those who work for her, like in the institution, those who work with her officially work for her. But she, she flipped it around and she was talking to the person on the other, other end of the phone and she said, I work for them. And what she was describing was a leadership theory known as servant leadership. And servant leadership is pretty much, when it's, it's mainstream now. Servant leadership, the idea of servant leadership. Servant leadership was created by a gentleman called Robert, uh, by the name of Robert Greenleaf. He passed away in 1990. He's known as the the father, the founder of the of the modern servant leadership movement. And I have up on this page, and I'll link this in the show notes. It's the Robert Greenleaf Foundation uh, nonprofit, and I want to describe his from his words what he says servant leadership is. And this will dovetail us into this idea of the contra side or the other side, the flip side of, of the power first. And Robert Greenleaf was very anti-authoritarian leadership. And he thought, you know, when he came up with this idea of servant leadership, he basically believed that the servant leadership or the authoritarian leadership styles were failing or creating failing institutions. It was corrupting relationships. It was corrosive to relationships, human relationships, and trying to get the most out of people. 
in the workplace, in the community, so on and so forth. So I'm going to read from, from the greenleaf.org website. While servant leadership is a timeless concept, the phrase servant leadership was coined by Robert K. Greenleaf in the Servant as Leader, an essay that, was, that he first published in 1970. In that essay, Greenleaf said, quote, The servant leader is servant first. It begins with a natural feeling that one wants to serve, to serve first. Then conscious choice brings one to aspire to lead. That person is sharply different from one who is leader first, perhaps because of the need to assuage an unusual power drive or to acquire material possessions. The leader first and the servant first are two extreme types. Between them are shadings and blends that are part of the infinite variety of human nature. He goes on to say, The difference manifests itself in the care taken by the servant first to make sure that other people's highest priority needs are being served. The best test and difficult to administer is, do those served grow as persons? Do they, while being served, become healthier, wiser, freer, more autonomous, more like themselves to become servants? And what is the effect on the least privileged in society? Will they benefit or at least not be further deprived? So the, the article goes on to say a servant leader focuses primarily on the growth and well-being of people and the communities to which they belong. While traditional leadership generally involves the accumulation and exercise of power by one at the quote-unquote top of the pyramid, servant leadership is different. The servant leader shares power, puts the needs of others first, and helps people develop and perform as highly as possible. So I'll, again, I'll link that website in the show notes one of the first books we read at Gonzaga in the graduate program for organizational leadership was a, a book by Robert Greenleaf. Very powerful, good stuff. I, I think sometimes it can be a little utopian, like a perfect world scenario. Yes, we want to always try to put the needs of others first as much as we can, but there's a balance. There's all, all kinds of balancing acts you have to take. We have to take as leaders in the workplace needs of the organization, achieving the mission, whatever that mission might be, achieving collective goals. All these things have to be taken into account. We always want to put the needs of others first as much as we can. Again, it's a delicate balance of, of putting the needs of different parts of the organization, you know, in these competing spots for, for first, second, third. And you got to remember too, a lot of organizations or maybe most organizations are, you know, they are characterized by the competition of scarce resources. There's only so many resources that can go around in an organization. So that's another mindset I think we have to keep in mind when we're, when we're talking about servant leadership. So it, I believe, Leadosophy believes that a leader can develop this mindset as their default position. I think it's, it, you have to value servant leadership. It's something that you can, you can practice, you can say, I want to make this important. I want to serve others first. And again, this is a mindset. We can change our mindsets. We can change our mindsets. There is, in theory, a an authoritarian leader can, once he or she recognizes that that is their leadership style and maybe finds that this is not very effective, I believe that they can shift their mindset. I think it'll take some deliberate practice, but I think it can be done. One thing Greenleaf mentioned in that essay was the spectrum maybe servant leadership on one end of the spectrum, the authoritarian side on the other end of the spectrum. And I've talked about this before. 
so many leadership styles in between fall on this spectrum. And sometimes, or a lot of times, leaders have to flow back and forth, sometimes gently, sometimes wildly back and forth between, between the ends of the spectrum. And this depends on what type of organization you're in, what's what type of industry you're in, what are your mission, what are your goals, there's so many factors that go into it. So I don't like saying this is an all or nothing type thing. You have to be this way or you have to be that way. If you've listened to Leadosophy enough, you know that as an individual leader, leadership styles sometimes have to change. You have to be adaptive, adaptive, with, adaptive with your leadership styles. That's just part of being leadership and growing as a leader is knowing when to flow back and forth between leadership styles. So again, for servant leadership to work in practice, not just in theory, a leader must value the idea of working for others. If a leader values this idea, then theoretically most actions and decisions should appear grounded in service to others. And I think this is important. Our actions flow most often from what we value. If we value X, our decisions, our behaviors will flow from from X. So Leadosophy, Leadosophy believes the I work for them mental state promotes a more collaborative environment. But this mindset only works if the leader is not fixated on power. This is obtaining power, keeping power, or losing power. Have you seen leaders out there who are fixated with obtaining power and then they are so afraid to lose that power once they have it? I think politicians, for some reason, that always comes to my mind. I always feel this is an assumption that there are a, a plethora of politicians out there at various levels of government who need that power, need that control that comes from that power. And once they have it, they're very fearful of letting go of that power for, again, for many reasons, which would probably need another 300 episodes of Leadosophy. So this is where we get into the power side. Again, I've talked about my fascination with power reading about theories on power and, and how those work from a philosophical standpoint. So what does a fixation on power look like? And again, I think power and control are inevitable, sometimes necessary, obviously, in certain circumstances. They are abused, pervasive, and even sinister at times. So it seems that a leader who leads through a power-first disposition or mentality cannot possibly embrace or adopt a servant leadership mindset. It would be a contradiction for the lover of power, the person who needs control. They can't possibly possibly be both at the same time. And I believe this, this power first or this power hungry leader has possibly fallen prey to the seductive gaze of power. And again, servant leaders must embrace the idea of giving away power or empowering others so that others can grow, be more autonomous make more decisions and have more freedom. So what do I mean that the authoritarian style power hungry and the servant leader are contradictions? Well, when you are a servant leader, you are, you are losing control or you're giving up control. You are giving up power or it's the illusion anyways that you're giving up power and decisions are a good example. When you're allowing others to make decisions by definition, you have given up some of your decision-making power or control over that decision. Now, if, if some of you allow someone else to make a decision, and you say, I don't like that decision, I'm going to make decision, this other decision, then you have taken that control back. But when you are 
when you are allowing others more autonomy, when you're giving them more autonomy, you are giving up a little bit of control and, and some of that power is getting diffused. You know, I talk one of my core leadership principles is empower others. Again, by definition, empowering means you are losing some of your power or you're sharing your power. Maybe not so much losing it, but definitely at least sharing it. And the power hungry person will more than likely have a problem with that. Again, for, for the power hungry leader or the power first, they work for me mindset. The thought of losing power is unacceptable or may be unacceptable. And again, power and control, I believe, are closely coupled with one's perceived status or prestige. Sooner or later, power is wielded destructively to maintain that status, to maintain that prestige, or to seek or advance one's status or prestige. I think, I think this is really, I think it's inevitable. So some questions for the audience. What are your thoughts on power generally? Have you ever thought about power? What is power? Have you ever thought about it deeply? How does it apply to leadership? How can I wield power effectively? How can I share power effectively? What does it feel like to give up some of that power, to give up the, some of that control? What about power leaders? What does it look like when a leader is over-reliant on their usage of power? Another philosophical question, do you think power is an end in itself? Or is it a means to other things like status and privilege, money, benefits, parking spots, perks in the workplace, whatever that might be? Is it possible that leaders who step into a first-time leadership role, they might struggle with, with power, balancing their use of power, sharing their power, empowering others? I think leadosophy believes that new leaders may tend to feel the need to over-control I, I can remember doing that as well, especially being in a new leadership role in my early 20s. Maybe emotional maturity isn't that high and maybe a little unwielding in how I wield that power. I may feel the need to control more decisions for myself because that fear of, of letting go of some of that control as a new leader and you, you may... Cons- you may maybe obsessively worry about bad outcomes falling on you. Like you're just putting in this new leadership role, you're getting the responsibility. You can't fail. You can't allow others to make a decision that'll fail because that'll look bad on you. And you're like, hey, I just got into this leadership role. We made a bad decision. I'm going to take these decisions back for myself. I'm going to own all the decisions and the accountability. I think that's a real thing. I don't, I don't think that is just a theory. I think that's, I mean, I felt like that, I believe at times early in my, in my career, maybe sometimes later in my career, at least my military career. And I think new leaders, if, if they have this, if they are trying to, to control, trying to, to hold some of that power for themselves, just because they're new in the position, I don't think this is a malicious use of power, but I, I do believe it can still be corrosive in the workplace, especially with relationship developing, relationship building. So let's get back to the, the central idea of, of kind of this, this podcast, and that's leading with a power-first mentality as opposed to servant leadership. Again, Leadosophy believes that this will lead actions and decisions. This will lead to actions and decisions based on a they-work-for-me mentality instead of the other way around. 
So servant leadership, I work for them. Authoritarian leadership, they work for me. I think those, those concepts go together nicely. Leadosophy believes that the power first ideology leads to a wide array of relationship degrading behaviors where others are viewed simply as chessboard pawns to be, to be manipulated to the leader's advantage. A leader enamored with power may carry or display some combination of the following assumptions or actions, which I'm going to cover. I've got about nine of them. So these are some of the following assumptions or actions that I believe come from the power first ideology. Number one, others serve the leader's needs and not vice versa. I think we've already talked about that. The followers are there for the needs and means of the leader. They are tools. Others, number two, is others have value as far as they are useful means to the leader's ends. And I think that goes kind of nicely with the first one. I'm kind of biased, though, because I came up with those. Number three, others can and should be manipulated, their movements, what they say, how they dress, because they lack power, and those with power know what's best for others. And again, I think this is something we may see in the political realm more than the business side. I think this is more characteristic of politics. I think we may see that. And I, some people may disagree with me. That's, that's great. Again, this is, this is leadosophy teasing out some ideas and assumptions. I've said it from the beginning. Sometimes assumptions can be faulty. And maybe some of the assumptions I'm talking about here you have a problem with. Would love to hear it. Again, this is about dialogue. Okay, number five. Again, power first mentality, power hungry. Authority should be exercised often and displayed openly for others to see. Authority, power, someone who is power hungry, they want to openly wield that power and see others, and they want others to see how powerful they are or how powerful they can become. Number six, information is power. Leaders will withhold information or manipulate information to maintain a tactical advantage. Information is power. We've heard that many, many times. It's an old, tired cliche. Information is power. It's an old and tired cliche, but it is a true cliche, I believe, as much as true as it can be. Number seven, nothing flows upward or is allowed to flow upward. Not ideas, not a goals, not opinions. And this goes with the next one, number eight, crushes dissenting ideas and opinions. To accept others' ideas, others' opinions is power lost, or this is the perception of the leader anyways. And the last one as we close, actually two more. Number nine, mistakes are intolerable. Mistakes put the leader's prestige in power. And this is, this is what I believe. This is an assumption for me. The need for prestige and the need for power are symbiotic concepts. They feed off one another. Prestige, power, it's, just, it's this vicious cycle that just feeds off one another. And we'll close it out with number 10. The leader will do anything to please his or her boss. The assumption here is if the boss is perpetually pleased, I cannot possibly lose my status and my prestige and my parking spots. As long as my boss thinks that I lead well, that's all that matters. So there you have it. Those are my ideas on, on power, 
and how it's a contradiction to servant leadership. I encourage you to check out Robert Greenleaf's website, the greenleaffoundation.org or greenleaf.org. I think the website is called greenleaf.org. Greenleaf spelled commonly.org. Again, he writ, wrote an essay in 1970. It's a phenomenal essay. I don't think it's really long, but it really lays out the framework and the foundation of, of servant leadership. And that's where servant leadership came from. Again, a term that we use quite often today, a theory that's widely accepted as beneficial and effective, a leadership style that is effective. So hope you enjoyed this episode today. Remember, leadosophy is about using the tools of philosophical thought to deepen our understanding of leadership and of life and of life. Have you seen the use of power negatively in life? I have. All right, everybody. Thanks for watching. Catch you next time. Thanks for watching and listening to another episode of Leadosophy. If you liked what you heard today, hit that subscribe button and check out leadosophy.com and learn more about Tim's ideas on philosophy and leadership. We'll see you next time.